This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. We are all on a spiritual journey. To Dr. Carol Jean Murat, admitting you have a soul and then taking care of it leads to spiritual health. How do you take care of it? Find whatever you call a higher power and lay your ego at its feet. This will free your soul and allow you to have faith and trust in something bigger than yourself. It will give you a broader perspective on life and the lessons we are here to learn. Having faith, as well as learning how to take care of yourself. Having healthy boundaries in all areas of your life. Practicing forgiveness. Giving from your heart. And having a connection with nature will lighten your stress, your sorrows, and your heart. Put some time aside each day to pray read a good book, or study your favorite scripture. These days, family members do not spend time together and are separated by TV, computers, video games, smartphones, and social media. When possible, pray with family members. It has proven to be beneficial for all involved. Family members who pray together tend to communicate with each other better and have the ability to resolve small issues before they take on a life of their own. Be grateful for everything that happens to you because these experiences, good or bad, happen for a reason and teach you something. Upon waking every morning, give thanks for being alive. This planet is a huge schoolroom. Anything that happens can be transformed into something positive by your spiritual beliefs, thoughts, and deeds. Know deep in your heart that you will be taken care of no matter what. Dr. Carol no longer frets about what should or should not be happening. She knows that all things unfold in divine order and that adversities are lessons she is supposed to learn for her own good and you do not always get what you ask for when you ask for it. That morning in November 2014, when she awoke totally healed after surrendering control and asking God for help, has really deepened her faith. Dr. Carol truly knows in her heart that regardless of the adversity, with faith, she will overcome it. Believe, surrender, trust, and always have faith. Valeria interviews Dr. Carol Jean Murat, the author of Heal Your Life, 25 Ways to Unleash Your Innate Healing Powers by Finding Your Purpose and Connecting with a Higher Power. Dr. Carol Jean Murat is a board-certified OBGYN and a primary care specialist. 
Born and raised in Haiti, she comes from a family of healers, shamans, herbalists, and midwives. She was educated in top universities in Haiti, Mexico, Jamaica, and the U.S., giving her a broad-spectrum approach to medicine and invaluable multicultural knowledge. She had a successful private practice in San Diego, California from 1982 to 2005. She is a gifted medical intuitive and spiritual healer who has helped thousands over the past four decades from all walks of life. In 2000, Dr. Carroll suffered severe burnout and had to reinvent herself. She has worked with underprivileged patients in dire conditions, even performing surgeries by flashlight in Haiti. She has also practiced medicine in highly acclaimed, technologically advanced hospitals in the U.S., helping thousands of men and women, including wounded warriors, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and military sexual trauma, MST. In 2005, she closed her private practice in San Diego because she could no longer fit into a prescription-writing, bottom-line-oriented medical system that did not allow time and resources for doctors to properly care for patients as whole human beings. She would not compromise. Her dream was to continue treating and healing patients using her own ideals. She created the Dr. Carroll's Healing Sanctuary of San Diego, where those who were ill or suffering could spend as much time as they needed with her. Fluent in five languages, Dr. Carroll combines her scientific knowledge with her extraordinary gift of intuition and clairvoyance to help those who are ready to heal. Her process helps to discover the root cause of patient symptoms and teaches them how to use this information to begin the healing process. With faith and caring, she guides patients and shows them their strengths, teaches them how to let go, and simultaneously helps them overcome the obstacles that have prevented them from being their best self. Her website is drcarol.com. Here is the interview with Dr. Carol Jean Morat. In your own words, who is Dr. Carol? At this stage of my life, Dr. Carol, at this stage of my life, I would say I am a spiritual and intuitive healer. By training, I'm a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist, primary care specialist. And I now mentor residents at UCSD School of Medicine, UCSD San Diego School of Medicine, I'm an intuitive healing mentor for them. And then uh, I am a physician burnout prevention coach. Being a burnout survivor about uh, 20 years ago. And I'm having a wonderful time. My life is wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like it. (laughs) I do, I do. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Heal Your Life, 25 Ways to Unleash Your Innate Healing Powers by Finding Your Purpose and Connecting with a Higher Power. I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. The first one is, what does it mean to be a human to you, Dr. Carhol? To be a human, uh, we're a complex machine, and we uh, imagine a cake 
with 12 slices. That's the metaphor I use to, when I'm mentoring my, my, my doctors. And, then, and I tell them, we are not just, uh, primarily, we are the mind, the body, and the soul. But if we go in a bigger circle, we are ourselves, our relationships with our uh, intimate partner, if you have children, her par- our parents, our uh, finances, our career, our environment, our finances, all these things define who we are. That makes sense, yeah. It's the whole, the whole being, not just parts of it. The whole, whole. It's the whole being. It's the whole being. The, the reason I do that, when I see a patient or, or when I'm teaching, when I'm working, consulting with my physicians so they don't burn out, I tell them, you need to see everybody from that perspective. Because as a physician, you, you see the person has a body. Or if you're a psychologist, you see the mind. If you're a priest, you see the spirit. But we are more than who we are. We're a complex, complex entity. Yeah, so true. So true. What is your definition for the word faith? Faith, I have something where it says faith lighten the darkened sky. Faith, it's to, like Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, it's to be on the top of a mountain and they tell you to take a step forward. And then let's say there are no steps. Let's say if there is a step, you're going to, you're going to go down. If there are no steps, you're going to realize you can fly. This is my best description of faith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a lovely one, even to imagine. Right. Yes, yes. What is the higher power? A higher power is going to be different from everyone. Each person is different. I like to use the metaphor of the cake. Let's, get, let's use it again. The person is the candle in the middle. And then... If you see the different religions of the world, they have 12 of them, 12 slices, the same 12, like the Zodiac. And then one of them, it's called native uh, religion. So when you say the native religion, we go into, because um, coming from Haiti, I would say it would be the voodoo religions from the Africans' religions. And uh, so... Each person is totally different. And for example, when I am seeing patients in the, at a busy clinic where I volunteer, I have people from all walks of life and all different religions. So if I, most people you need to know are sick. First is the spirit that is unstable. Then we have, it goes to the mind. Then it comes to the body. So anybody who comes with, a, with an illness, with the physical conditions, is 90% of the time, 90% of the time is the spirit that is weak. The spirit that is weak. And let's say what I do with those patients. I give you an example. I go to a clinic where I've been going there for 23 years, associated with UCSD School of Medicine. So the residents seeing the patients, you know, they're doing their training. And they will send them to me as a gynecological consultant. So I'll give you an example. Her name is Mary. Mary came to me because she's been hemorrhaging to death. They gave her blood. Everything is wrong. Everything, everything, all the tests they've done were normal. 
So usually that's what they do. I, I said, I get the rejects. So when Mary came to me and she sat in front of me, I don't look at the computer. I go and look at the patient and I say, Mary, why are you bleeding? She said, oh, she was surprised uh, because let's say she's been, it, we were in November and she's been bleeding since uh, April. And I said, Mary, why are you bleeding? She looked at me because I'm supposed to tell her I'm the specialist, but I know the patients know. And I, I asked her and I look at her. She looked at me. She said, I lost my son. I lost my only son of an accident when he was 21. So unconsciously, Mary has been bleeding to death, unconsciously wanting to rejoin her son. Her husband now had moved on. Uh, she has a daughter. So, and uh, I don't know, let's give another patient. And she is Jewish and she was having issues as well. So what do I do? When I have a patient in front of me, I would say 90% of them, it's the spirit that is weak. And I'm going to tell them to strengthen the spirit because the, the spirit will strengthen the mind. Like in, in the case of Mary, she's going to be grieving. She has been stuck in the grieving process and unconsciously wanting to go and find a son and be with a son. But I told her, Mary, and usually when we are in difficult situation, the faith is the first thing to go because we blame God. What have you done to me? You have abandoned me. So what I did with Mary, I reminded her that she was a sinner and she smiled for the first time because she had a, son, she had a daughter. I said, Mary, you have a daughter. And if you believe, she's Catholic, you believe in Jesus, Jesus, the son of God who died for us to go is in heaven and your son, you believe? And she said, yes, I believe my son has to be in heaven. He was such a sweet young man, 21 years old. So what I did, I said to her, then you, you, do you think your son is happy in, the, in heaven looking at you down there, down here, being sad and dying because of, of him? He said, oh no, he wouldn't want that. He wouldn't want that. So I hugged her. I want my son. So I kissed her. I held her in my arm and I kissed her like, like it was a son saying goodbye. She didn't have a chance to say goodbye to her son. And then I told her, I'm going to have you have a prayer. Like you need to pray. When the pain is hard, you have to pray. And then I had her in, in my office, in a gynecological office, associated to a top university in the world. I had a, I, I had a, I pulled some papers from the examining room table, put it there and put some uh, gowns and then put more papers. Then I had a kneel in front of me. I said, Mary, you're dying. You, there is nothing you can do. You're going to die. And she said, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Because I, now she realized that. I didn't know that. I, I don't want to die. And I said, you're going to be Jesus, sweet Jesus, the Lord of the strong. Help me, I'm weak. And I had to repeat it, repeat it. And she, she just like almost passed out. And, and then a month later, she stopped bleeding. She went into the grieving process. My patient was Jewish. And then I, she said, she cannot pray to Jesus, right? She said. I pray to Adonai. And then the prayer that I prayed with her, Adonai li velo ira, and I, spoke, I speak a little Hebrew, Ketzat Ivrit, he said, God is with me, I shall not fear. God is with me, I shall not fear. So I, I, have, so I have people from all over, I see people from all over the world. I've lived in many different countries and all walks of life and academia and everything. And I have to, as the true healer, 
I have to be to understand where the patient is connected with. I cannot tell a Muslim to pray to Jesus. I cannot tell a Jewish to pray to pray to 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 pray to Allah. You have to pray to what you connected with. So this is what I do. That's why my patient doesn't matter. And also what I what it is, it's just like when I'm with a patient, when I'm with somebody, they we look at each other. We look at each other's soul and they know I'm there for them and they know I accept them unconditionally. That's why they heal. Yeah, I love that. I don't have words to, uh, yeah. I have the, I want you to know, I have, have I, I should have said I have a tendency whenever I do an interview, my interview, I always <laughs> have some beautiful tears. <laughs> yeah, because I should, yeah. Yes. That's love. Yes. Yeah. I, and it's wonderful. Yeah. They feel it. And that's why they say, they said, they said, I, I, they, they, then I just said, then this is what's happening. I'm the mirror for them. You are bleeding. You are having this problem with your heart. Whatever they're having, it's because they disconnect. This is what happened. And they feel it. I just hold their hands and they feel it. And then I send them back to my residence and they go, what did you do? <laughs> I said, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Everything. <laughs> and they go, I, oh, no, you need to know. I, will, I have a friend who is a hot shot lawyer. We've been friends for many years. And we'll go into baseball game. He has VIP seats. And we'll say, okay, what are you doing these days? I said, I'm doing nothing. He said, I'm a mirror. She said, you heal them. I said, no, I don't. My father said, you don't, you don't do anything. So I have a prayer that I said when this happened. I say, I of myself do nothing, but the Holy Spirit within me does the work. Right. That's such a wonderful reference for specialists, professionals, doctors, all sorts of people who embrace that role. And they unfortunately separate from the spirit. But we are all healers and we need to access the spirit within. That's Perfect. Yes, we do. It's there. It's people say, are oh, you tired? Imagine I would go to Haiti, where I'm from, and then we have a small hospital. So when I'm there, there will be a line of people waiting. Like when I went after the earthquake, you know, we have people waiting, waiting. So I have no time to, to, to spend time with the patients, number one. And we don't have a lot of supplies. So, but they are very spiritual. So I, I just hold their hand and I say, you pray loud. I don't, if, they, if I told them to pray with their eyes closed, they'll pray for 10 years. <laughs> You say a quick prayer. Say a quick prayer. I ask for the Holy Spirit to come through me and I'm going to touch you. You're going to stop. What is it? It's pure faith. They know they walk far away to come and see Dr. Carol. And then I'm just going to what he does. I do an invocation. They do an invocation. And I ask them, what do you want? They say, I want to stop bleeding. I want my pain to go. I want my heart to be okay. I want my belly. I want my abdominal pain to go away. I want this. I want that. And they ask and they receive. And I'm just the mirror. And I say, so it is. And I touch them wherever they need to be touched. And that's it. I do not know anything. <laughs> and like so I was fighting with my friend. Is <laughs> their faith that healed them? <laughs> that's interesting how humble you are, which is wonderful as a human being to have that awareness. You give yourself to life, to the universe, to whatever we call God. Beautiful. Oh, I, I do. I do, be, I do because of, that's how I heal. That's why no, I, I give them the opportunity to heal themselves. So it comes through me. And my father said to me, you do nothing. You're mirror. You, you know science. They believe in you. They trust you. 
you don't do anything. If you think you do anything, you're crazy. <laughs> she said, mm-hmm. I said, it was years ago. Uh-huh. And I said, yes, you don't do anything. You give them the opportunity to heal themselves by showing them love, by and explaining the pathophysiology by explaining to them because they are sick in 80% of the disease. Unless they break your leg, it's physical, but most of the disease are emotional. So then they understand because they're telling everybody, oh, you have to drink this, you have to eat this, you have to take this, you have to do this. But they say, no, you, we can heal ourselves. You can heal ourselves. And I'm just the mirror to show them how. I don't do anything. I of myself do nothing. Mm. Yeah, that's a beautiful statement. I know where you're coming from. I just want to make a comment about uh, when you say that's because the spirit that is weak, you use that phrase. So I'm wondering if it is the connection with the spirit that it's weak or has been weakened, because the spirit's perfect, isn't it, Dr. Fahal? Okay, weakened. You know, our spirit, but then that person's spirit has been broken many times by abuse, racism, racism. You know, you see what's happening right now has been happening and finally people are seeing it. It's about um, even, it, it, it doesn't, you could, it doesn't have to have racism. It could be being abused by somebody in your, in your home, the person who's supposed to protect you, the person who's supposed to protect you and then they, they're hurting you then how can you believe there is something? Because if that person is, if there is a higher power, whatever religion you are, how can they let this happen to you? How can it happen to me? Then I cannot believe that there is a higher power. It can't be. And then, and then personally it happened to me. A lot of things happened to me when I was young. And then, and then I had to regain that. That's why I had to regain that. And I had to learn that God has nothing to do with human beings. The spirit of God, of the higher power, has nothing to do. God is 24-7, all good and all, and I, that's the God I believe in. And the spirit of my ancestor who are there with me to protect me. And I go, God is with me, I shall not fear. I do not leave the lawyer for my Jewish patients. That's a very interesting perspective about the spirit being weak. I usually say the connection with the divine has been, like you said, broken, right? So we now we don't know how to access it back. But it takes practice and work, which um, it's wonderful to see. So I have a few more questions for you, warm-up questions about life itself. Um, what is life to you, this experience here? Life? Equate breath. (laughs) Mm, The breath. Yeah. We come, we take a first breath. I've held so many babies, thousands of them in my hands so they could take a first breath. And then when life, when our spirit goes, we take the last breath. Or if they put it on the machine, the machine breathes for us. But life equals breath. Hmm. And do you think that Life has an opposite, or what is the opposite of life, in your opinion? I would say, as human beings, we are spirits. As I grow older and older, and then reading more, and then having more experience, I understand life continues, the spirit continues. I am a, what it's called a spontaneous medium. 
I, I, I said a medium because people say, oh, would you like to channel, like, for example, my patient, I channel a son who had passed away. But how the, I call it, that's why I say I'm spontaneous, so I, nobody call me, oh, you want to channel for me? No, because I don't tell them to come. They just like, I'm open, just I'm open to pray with my patients. I'm open to, to for the, if, if, if they're grieving, if they're grieving, or remorse many times, more than grieving, completed grief, is there remorse for buying a car and the son dying in the car? And so if they are grieving and they unconscious is they want to die. So I will, I, they come through me to tell me no, because the spirit just goes. The spirit, this is also, I have that other experience that I'm blessed to have that experience, to be able to heal at that level. And that's what I'm teaching. <laughs> I have my residence. Can you teach me to do that? I said, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know what? I think you can because, and what you do is just be open. If you, if you have a patient in front of you and you realize, because the person is bleeding, you know, I go backward. Why are you bleeding? My son died. As soon as she sees that, I am totally open to do everything I need because I don't do, I don't need to go into surgery to stop you from bleeding, but it's a dysfunctional uterine bleeding, it's a functional thing. And then so I'm open to whatever it needs. So the spirit of the who died, who always out there, like if you see the movie Ghost, they are there waiting to find somebody to connect. So I have opened, same way I can go, you bleeding, I can go and take a knife and open you up sit you back and you're going to stop bleeding the same way I can heal you through the spirit of your loved one who passed on. Wow. I love that approach, though. They have something like similar in Brazil. I don't know if you heard about John of God. Yes. I, of, oh, of course. I have, I have one of my mentors studied under him. Of course. Mm, yes. <laughs> I want to be like him when I grow up. I want to be like him when I grow up. Well, you are like him from everything I hear. Yeah, the energy. That's the energy. Yeah. That's wonderful that this is, uh, you applying this here because in Brazil it's legal. So they do then psychiatric hospitals, all kinds of hospitals. They have a collaboration work with the other physicians and all. But here I think it's not allowed. <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't say not allowed because when I was doing obstetrics, when I, and I quit in 30 years ago, when I quit gynecology almost 20 years ago, I was, they wouldn't know what to do because they knew the patient will heal without the knife. Because if I have a patient, whatever it says, oh, I'm supposed to operate on that patient. And then if the voice tells me do not operate, I am not going to operate. Whether it's be there with the patient, rubbing the belly and everything, and three years later, and years later, having three beautiful sons and a 17-year-old, I should have had to do a hysterectomy. So I listened. So the, guess what? My colleagues, their wives, their mothers, their daughters, their sisters, they say, we don't know what she does because I'm the only black person in the hospital, surgeon. So they will say, we don't know what she does, what, what she does work what she does work. So they'll send them to me. So it's not that it's forbidden. And now I don't do surgery any longer. I don't like hospitals. <laughs> I don't like needles. And if if somebody, a friend of mine, if they're dying or whatever it's happening, I will go there and hold their hands. And then I will just go to ICU. I said, I am Dr. Jean-Murin. I am her alternative doctor. 
in the top hospital here, Thornton Hospital or UCF, it doesn't matter. I just have to go. And I said, I'm there to pray with my patient and they'll give me time. Oh, great. Oh, yes. I love oh, that. Oh, yes. So it is oh, permitted. Yes. Okay, okay. I love it that. is permitted. It's not permitted. And also, you can always, you can always go. You can always go and do whatever you want to do. They will let you do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's not all about healing. So we need to collaborate in every way to uh, for healing. Um, how beautiful. What does it mean to be free? What is freedom to you? Freedom? Yeah. I am a free spirit. I'm free. Because one of the things for me, freedom is you don't give a value to nothing. Nothing has any value. The only thing I cannot do without is I was in a, a fire, so my lungs got sort of little damage. So I have to have clean air. And I don't like it to be too hot or too cold. That's what I live in San Diego. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so those are the things. The weather is the weather and the air. Otherwise, I can live anywhere. And so you need to understand, I have slept in a packed dirt floor in a one room with one window with a touch roof. And I've slept at the Ritz-Carlton in a penthouse at the Ritz-Carlton. I have done all the spectrum. It means nothing. <laughs> right. As long as you're comfortable. <laughs> in the air. So true. So, so true. being free, to me, being free is having good air to breathe and a nice temperature. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. That's a very cute definition. I'm <laughs> yes, I'm very simple. <laughs> I like that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I wish all of us could say that just confidently. Yeah, I am free. I do. I'm, I am. I'm extremely happy. Except don't smoke next to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. There's an exception to that rule. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so my next question is, at this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? The greatest need is love. I agree. And how do you define love? Love is to me is that something that you see in the eyes of a newborn or of you see as a toothless woman that you, you, you go and buy a mango in a road in a third world country and you say hi and she knows that you're there in present and she smiles. That's love. <laughs> I, I experience love all the time. Oh, I have a beautiful healing sanctuary. It's a, a rose in a, a cactus. I have a, I have a cactus garden. I have succulents and roses and I have one acre of botanical garden. Love is just like one day my gardener came and cut most of my roses and then instead of doing it one 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 portion at a time and I went into my garden there was no I have about 40 or 50 rose bushes and then there was no roses and I go oh my god there was no roses and then two days later from the root at the bottom of it there was a rose, the perfect rose. And I think all the roses went and put the energy to give me a rose. And that's love. <laughs> that's love. That's a rose for my garden. In a way, what is not love? That's right. That's right. Yes. My mango tree, I have a mango tree that goes every other year. That's love. I'm having mangoes this year. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cute. <laughs> So let's talk about your work. And my first question had to be this one. How did you become a writer? A writer, I was, uh, I could say the word sick and tired of, because I see people 
as like I told you, cake with 12 slices. And then, uh, and I was deep in Western medicine as an obstetrician gynecologist and a surgeon covering the emergency room and taking people to the operating room. And I started to write. And my first book was in Spanish, Buena Salud, Diez Pasos Simples para Mujeres. Seven steps to be healthy. And then, so I started writing and writing because into my writing, I was pouring my soul. I see things so differently. I see the world so differently. I'm always 25 years of, even before science. Science just try to prove things that exist. But I know, I know, I know. So now I've left obstetrics over 20, almost 30 years. Now everything they wrote me up for that ended up quitting. And now they're saying, let's do it because it's been proven by science. So... Yes. So my writing, I continue to write. Yes. I love writing. There's something so magical and healing about writing. So what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, Heal Your Life? Heal Your Life, it's, it's because the same thing. I, I see at the clinic where I was, about, I would say, 80% of the people it's sick was because there was a spiritual disconnect. And then, and I started to show them how to, how to go and pray and pray with them, sing with them, whatever, you know, and make it work. Have the Holy Spirit come down and boom, in the experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Miracle, yeah. miraculous work. And then, then they, when they see it and I tell them, this is my gift to you. And this will take an extra one or two minutes in the busy clinic. Not that long. Yes. Right. Not that long. So they have to, they learn how to reconnect. I say, it's there for you. Pray. That's it. Get on your knees. And oh my God, how many people, you see all walks of, all walks of life, all colors, <laughs> all creeds, they just like get on their knees. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Hmm. So in your book, you have so many interesting and powerful themes, lots of them, and one of which is purpose. So in your book, you say not knowing your life purpose is like being a small boat lost in the middle of the sea going nowhere. How do we find the purpose of our lives? We just ask ourselves, so what? Fine. I'll give an example. I see a lot of patients with, with dealing with grief. And then, uh, so they are sick. Uh, for example, uh, the Mary, her, her, her son was killed by a drunk driver. And then she was so, she was dying essentially. And I tell them to find a purpose, I had to go and join Mother Against Drug Driving. That gives her a purpose. That's like a purpose. Yeah, it is. So finding purpose, would you say it's also finding meaning amidst suffering or finding the, the meaning of suffering, of our suffering? And then, uh, but I would say more. I would say what I said before. It's just like, yeah, we're suffering from something like she was grieving and having not only grieving, having remorse that was killing her. But then now, now she had a purpose. She had and, and and many times, many times I have patients who come to me for whatever reason <laughs> because their their loved one, dead loved ones will have them come to me at the clinic. And it's always their survivor's guilt. Survivor's guilt is just like and then so many instances and it's to them like 
oh, oh, there was a young young man where he was the race drag, uh, drag racing in the car, and then in the other car, his brother, his cousin, and his, his two friends died. So he came. He was so sick. And it's because it was the remorse. And it's the why I should have died myself. I see that all the time. So instead of, instead of, uh, I said to him, why don't you go and start going to high schools and start telling, and start telling young people do, do what happened with drag racing. If somebody, if you have a child that died because of, of, uh, of uh, somebody killed them, what about you go against gun violence? You know, it's to turn your pain into, like you said, to turn your pain into something purposeful to you, gives you meaning. Yes. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I never heard about survivor's guilt. Oh, survivor's guilt. I have seen so many veterans who have PTSD. When they, there was a bomb and then all, all, everybody died and they survived. Oh, survivor guilt is the worst. And then that's why when my gift as a medium is for them to have their friends, their friends come and saying things that I have no way to know. And I remember there was a, uh, there was a guy who was an EMT, an EMT in, in, in Iraq, and he was devastated. But the problem, and then, because it's just like, he, he felt that he should have saved all of them. And then I remember when I channeled one of them, it was like, Thank you for holding, holding me. I had no, no clue. And I said, even though they, 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 they didn't get life, you give them comfort. And it was the time for them to go. That's what I have to tell people. When the person is gone, there is, like my father said, l'heure c'est l'heure, avant l'heure n'est pas l'heure, après l'heure n'est plus l'heure. You die when you're supposed to die, not before, not after. I believe that too. So, and that's what I console. I console my patients who are grieving or in remorse or so that they survive. So it always goes back to um, that spirit, that faith and the spirit realm. And understanding as simple as that, we're here, we have the body, but we continue to live on. The spirit continues to live on, to live on. Yes. The way I see it, it seems like the spirit was never born and will never die. Yeah. You just take a body. Instead of it, it comes and use the body, and then I do believe because I have a bunch of people that I know all walks of life and all races, and and then we were born around about the same time in the same year. One there was one who were born at the same day in the same hour. Her in, she's white here in San Diego, me in Haiti, and we were working at the same place. We were so close together. I call her we twins, <laughs> and. And then, so I believe that our the spirit we choose the people who are going to 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 go and be there. I'm the one. I'm most of the time mostly higher education and knowledge, and having a lot of guts to speak my words. So yeah, it's just right. like you go and go and learn it, and you go out there and open doors, and then just go. All right, <laughs> let us go through. Yes. So the spirit is pretty much manifesting in bodies when we are open. That's how I believe. I mean, what an incredible journey, right, Dr. Carol? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I wake up. Do you know I wake up in the morning and I cry? I cry because I'm so happy. Right. <laughs> I, I'm blessed. Yeah. I have a mystical, I have a, 
I, oh my God. It's just, oh, I'm in, by the way, I'm, I'm told I'm an old soul. <laughs> old spirit. Yes. I can feel it. I want to talk to you a little about intuition. How do we know when we are listening to the intuition and not the ego mind or other voices? Okay. Uh, the intuition, I can give you an example. Some, the intuition also comes with knowledge. There is basic knowledge that we already have. And then sometimes is in the subconscious mind uh, that knows everything. And then, uh, and then so it's taking into consideration everything that we already know. Um, for ex- I'll give you an example. You, 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 you see somebody cross the hall and you fell in love with him. And, and then your God say, Mm-mm, it's not for you. <laughs> That's because it's already no. You're trying, you've been trying to heal some relationship with your father and you attracted those kind of men. So stay away. <laughs> so it tells you, mm, mm, mm. So, <laughs> And it does. Yeah, so yeah. intuitive. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Boy, yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I have, for example, people, you know, well, I, 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 now I'm just work with the doctors and teaching. I'm teaching. To, I don't want to do hard work anymore. So I would tell people, when are you going to, st- when are you going to learn the lesson? But what about learning it now? Don't, don't go and have fun another loser again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so true. You talk about lots of healing methods in your book, the power of the breath and then dancing, gardening, meditation. I do. Music. I dance. Oh, I do. That's great. I do. That's wonderful, isn't it? I love dancing too. Moving. There's something about moving. Oh, yes. I used to be a belly dancer and I made it to entertainment tonight. Wow. <laughs> when I was 31 really? years old. Yes. <laughs> We're talking not international TV. <laughs> <laughs> and this thing. <laughs> That's fun. That sounds like fun to me. A lot of fun. <laughs> dancing. Then you said meditation. Nature. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. How can I? How can I? Be, it's just like the world doesn't exist and living in the moment. When I'm in my garden and see, it's just like people are saying, oh, what happened if you have this happening? I don't watch television. And I say, I have so many people who listen to, they will let me know if I have to evacuate or escape. <laughs> so I just say, leave it to them. In the meantime, I go with my garden. We're talking about intuitions. I have about one acre of maybe, I don't know, if I count, I might have maybe six, seven hundred different plants or something for roses and everything but do you know i will be in 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 in, in my kitchen and i will hear one thing i need water <laughs> somebody gave me a peach tree and then uh and then i was i was there doing something and then uh oh i take voice lesson it was my voice teacher who brought it for me and then and then and then i'm there and then I'm going to take voice lesson and something saying, something you need to do. I said to him, could you please wait? And I said, let's go and see the peach tree you gave to me. And it really was a little droopy. The beast tree sent me a message. I need water. I need water. That's amazing. <laughs> do you practice being in the moment or it comes now naturally? I am practicing enough. Like I am totally here with you. The world could come to an end in a minute. I'm totally in the moment. Totally. So that's what it is. Then you're able to listen. Yes. I'm with you. And when I'm with the patient, I am with them. And that's why I I, I remember a young man. He just, he just came, 32-year-old, white male, sitting there. And then I just sat. And then uh, you need to know where I am. They don't have too many black doctors. <laughs> so it's just like, it's like, so he sat there. 
And I looked at him and I said, mm, let's see what I can do for you today. And I looked at him and he started to cry. And I said, what happened? He said, you're looking at me. You're looking at me. You're looking at me. It's just like, sometimes we don't see people. You're looking at me. That was, and you couldn't. So I had to, I used to stand up and open my arm and it just fell into my arm. By the way, I'm six foot tall. So they usually their heads go to my boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and I rocked them like the mama. <gasps> it's like nobody ever looked at them and validated them. I'm almost at the end of the interview, but I have one more question for you. I mean, this is just wonderful. All these topics that we'll be talking forever about it. <laughs> we don't have enough time, but positive affirmations. You have forgiveness there. You talk about gratitude, true friendship, which is so important. Yes. Oh, I'm so blessed. Yeah, with mm -hmm. true friends, right? To have, oh, I have a, I have a friend. We, we just celebrate 23 years wow. of walking every Saturday. Wow, that's amazing. Totally, totally opposite political or race or thing. We totally opposite, but we've grown together. Wow. How beautiful. <laughs> yeah. 23 years Saturday. You mentioned the power of surrender. So that word surrender, do you use the same way as acceptance in letting go? Acceptance is just like, uh, it's to, no, there are three different words. To me, surrender. I give you an example. Remember, you see, if you have no purpose, you like a, a boat with no, no, no. You don't know where you're going. Surrendering means you thought you knew where you wanted to go, but you realize there are the winds and the tide. So surrendering means just be that little boat at the mercy of the wind and the tides and what 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 may comes it will be okay sounds very much like surrender yeah and the acceptance and letting go how do you differentiate them dr carol to me acceptance you should be somebody else you can accept yourself i just i love and accept myself just the way i am for example you pray you place you black in the prejudice and you might say okay I'm, I'm black and this is who I am. I have to accept myself. Or you overweight and there's no way you can lose the weight. I'm accepting myself. And letting go means that when you hold on to something according to somebody else, letting go, I, I think I've I, I, I written a poem, letting go, people uh, uh, going to uh, uh, having somebody who died and then they intubate, it, they intubate them and then they want to, they, they're not letting them go. So I have called it letting go. It's time for the body. You just have to tell it's selfish. It's selfish doing things for you. You think it's the person, but it's always about you. Yeah, so true. It's the <laughs> ego wanting things. Yeah, so true. <laughs> That's a very good example of all those three words that sometimes we confuse them. Thank you. So I have a few more final questions for you. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Let's see the power of prayers. Many people find answers to life's tragedies in prayer. Studies have documented lower rates of depression and anxiety illness among those who pray. Other studies have demonstrated better outcomes among patients who were prayed for as compared to patients who were not. Prayers are known to bring relaxation, hope, and comfort. A belief in what you are praying for is very important. I pray for my patients who are undergoing chemotherapy when someone I know is going to have a life-threatening surgery. 
I always ask for the date and exact time when the surgery will take place. And I pray during those times. Growing up in Haiti, living through many heart-wrenching situations, I believe I survived and helped others heal because of prayer. Mm, wow, so true. Beautiful. Well titled, The Power of Prayer, right? Of prayer, yeah. yes, yes. Thank you so much for your work, for what you do. And it's just, uh, yeah, there's so much love, so much love in it. I mean, there's love, but there's just love anyway. <laughs> and it's beautiful. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life in a human body? Myself and life in the, the hardest thing, that I'm a coward. <laughs> that I'm a coward. I, I don't like needles. I don't like pain. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up, I, uh-huh. I, up to this day, they had a boyfriend. And then I, I was cutting something and I had like a, 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 can, a can and I cut my fingers. And then I'm screaming and screaming. It took me to the emergency room. Imagine, I'm a, one of the top-notch surgeons, right. right? And then they said, oh my God, Dr. Shambra, what happened? Oh, I'm screaming, I'm, and it's painful. And then they look at me and they start laughing. And then they, <laughs> so they just put a little, a little uh, stereo strip, something. They didn't have to stitch it, you know, just go. And then every time the nurses and the doctors see me and said, I'm a coward. They said, this, this is the worst doctor I've ever seen. That's so. the reason why you became a surgeon. <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I hit needles, I hit blood. Oh, you do? That's interesting. So it is a calling. Yes, yeah, the calling. It was of the the call- no, it's just like, I wanted to be there for women. But then I said, then and I did surgery and I was good at it. And I said I would like I would like to be with uh, with uh, a woman. She needed surgery for gynecology. She needed surgery to deliver a baby. You know, so most of them were delivered vaginally. Oh wow! So and pretty soon I started healing without the knife. So it might be that yeah, you've been living the the spiritual life or the spirit for so long that being in a human body is kind of strange. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, like yeah. wow, what is this here? <laughs> I know. And then my family knows if anything happens, I'm not going to go to chemo. I'm not going to go to anything. And I said, I said, they know, they know they, they, they cannot do anything with my body because as soon as my body doesn't, cannot hold itself, my spirit is going to go. Same thing happened to my grandmother. She died at 87 on a commode. She said, the day I cannot clean myself or pee, I'm going to go. My great-grandmother did that. They just, the day they just... Decide to go, and I feel I'm going to do the same thing too. My body and spirit are so connected, and I said, you know, the day you cannot, I said to the body, I'm very healthy. I'm going to be 70 years old. I'm a septuagenarian. I look 50. <laughs> yeah, you do look young. Yeah, I younger, look right? young, and then I feel young. And then so the body knows, mm. that body knows you better hold on to it because the day you cannot hold that spirit, mm. I'm gone. <laughs> oh, I see. The day you can't hold the spirit, right? Yes. The day you can hold this spirit, I am gone. I like that. So. Yeah, I've never heard it that way before either. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? This is the worst thing. Oh, this is the worst lesson to learn. Oh, this is the toughest. You can learn to, if especially... The majority of women were abused, including me, emotionally, physically, verbally, sexually. And then so for a while you feel that you're not worth it. And then uh, it's finally, and then also you're being told, you're being told, you know, you're not good enough. And then you're in a culture, you know, like women, if you happen to be somewhere, if you're black. <laughs> so, so it takes a long time. 
It takes a long time to be able to do that. And very few people cannot do that. I am in a situation, I have been always been, you know, I came to America as a doctor, you know what I mean? So highly educated and whatever teacher in top universities. So I've always been accepted for whom I am. But deep inside there was, oh, I wish my legs weren't a little shorter. You know, I wish there was always that self that we carry from childhood. So it's just by the time, and then, you know, it's just like, I'm going, I don't mind being old, but unconsciously I would say, oh, look at me. And I will see my reflection. Who is that old? You see, <laughs> so it's just, it's okay. Then I wake up, it's okay. I'm like this. And I said to everybody, and they know I'm very voiceful. You don't like me the way I am tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? But this, it's not, it's, but it, it still happened. It still happened. And it comes and goes. And then, so that's what I'm saying is the hardest. Because I can, uh, people, for example, if there are some people, like, I don't have to deal with them. And I, I just, they know that I don't have to deal with you. Goodbye. <laughs> you know? And then, and, but then we, you have to live with yourself. So. You cannot just say goodbye to yourself, mm, so yeah. you have to. So I'm, I'm, I accept myself, but it's still occasionally little things twinge will come. Yes, it's a practice for all of us, isn't it? Yeah, it's a practice. So true. Yes. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? What I know for sure has nothing to do with where you're from, the color of your skin, your gender. If you can carry that light, that bright light, and able to just shine it enough to be so bright, those in the darkness will will see a little of that light. I believe in that. Yeah. Yes. I do. Yes, a thousand times <laughs> to that. Thank you so much, Dr. Carroll, for your wisdom and your wonderful presence, your loving presence. Thank you. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay, www.drcarroll.com, D-R-C-A-R-O-L-L-E.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Carol Jean Murat, please visit her website, drcarol.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.